right, hello and welcome to another series of the Long Ball Football Podcast, a weekly podcast by two brothers about all things football in Portugal. You're listening to myself, Albert, and as always, I'm joined by my brother, Barney. It's great to be back, Barney. How are you, man? Yeah, it's good to be back, man. I've been... I've enjoyed the. Um, I, th- I feel what I want to say off season. I feel like that, but that's not normally what I say. But I'll say yeah. the off season. Yeah, I've enjoyed the off season. I've enjoyed the transfers, all the gossip. <laughs> um, mate, I've, I've. I tell you what, the kits this season. Oof. I mean, the kits have generally been dreadful in Portugal. That's not mm. the Kelme, mm. just you know, a red top with a logo. <laughs> like, you know, come on. But yeah. man, they've absolutely smashed it this year. Chavez have looked unreal, home and away. Did you see Passos Ferreira away kit? The, oh, the navy and oh. gold, beautiful. There's some really, really nice kids. I'm, I'm, I'm very happy with that because that is one of the. It's one of the main reasons you like football, isn't it, Bonnie? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just love the kits, man. Do you know what was it, Perivo? Was it the early Perivo where you could uh, make your own kit? Yeah. But like, I spent hours to, doing that. Can draw just painstakingly try and make a night tick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think in another life, me and Barney would be kit designers. Well, look, it is it is great to be back. As Barney alluded to, we had a lot of time off over the summer. I did see a lot of podcasts putting in some work over the summer. The Portugal Corner did some work over the summer. Sporting 160 and did some work over the summer. Me and Barney put our feet up man we were absolutely shamelessly on the beach we did absolutely nothing so we're back this could be quite rusty me and Barney haven't even planned this intro so this is all off the cuff um but welcome to uh, a show that we did last year that was very popular and that we were very pleased with this is the official long ball football season preview show we're going to do exactly what we did last year we're going to run through every single team in the league We're going to discuss their transfer window so far. We're going to discuss the squad, the manager, and we're basically going to run through what their prospects are for the season ahead. So you're completely clued up ahead of a brand new Primera Liga season. Now, we're also going to have a special guest, Jose from Especialistas de Segunda, who joined us once again to chat about the newly promoted teams that's going to come uh, at the end of the podcast. That's going to be the third part. So we're going to run through all the big clubs. We're going to talk about all the small clubs uh, and we're going to cover absolutely everything. So from top to bottom, Barney, let's start with the reigning champions, Porto. Now, obviously, it goes without saying that they will be looking to bounce back from a phenomenal season domestically. But just to start with transfers, we have to address head-on the biggest news for Porto this summer, which is just the exodus of players, really. You know, a really large number of big transfers uh, that we've seen this summer. Just to remind everybody, Vitinha joined PSG for £40 million with £10 million in uh, possible bonuses. Fabio Vieira joined Arsenal similarly for €35 million Euros with £10 million in possible bonuses. Surprise on Barney, Francisco Concesao left to Ajax for £5 million. It seems low, but allegedly that was his release clause. Chancellor Bemba left on a free transfer. Sergio Oliveira, I mean, a player who wasn't key last season, but he left for £3 million. Uh, so, you know, a lot of outgoings. I mean, what do you make of it all? Because... It's easy to say that it was quite a damaging transfer window. I was I was surprised, Albert. I thought um, I, I did think Vitinha might get a move. I think his mm. performance all season was really just incredible, and I think I mean I'm excited for him to be in that PSG team. I think that's a really smart signing. Fabio Vieira was the one, wasn't it? Really, because you know, not a regular star in the team, 
Mm. But the thing with him was just the, he he absolutely took every opportunity he was given, and and I think it's I think it's a real smart bit of business from Arsenal because you know they're getting a player who I was well expecting to have an incredible season this year if he was to stay at Porto, and I think they've got him. A, a, I know forty million is a lot of money, but I think he would have his his value would have got shot up if he had stayed. But I think the big thing, isn't it, Albert? Is you know the amount of players you summed up really well. Um, when we were talking about Fabio Vieira, you said, you know, these clubs usually just sell one big player a year, don't yeah. they? For me, Mbemba was a huge player as well, but I think he, he was a, a fantastic. And to let him go on a free, which we've seen Porto do a few times now with, with players letting their contracts expire, you know, they arguably have sort of been quite weak in that front. Um, but I think the fees they've got for both the team and Fabio have been good. But still, man, it's, it's big holes in that midfield now. Yeah, 100%. I, 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 like you said, I thought they'd lose one, right? I thought Vitinha would go, but I thought Fabio Vieira was going to stay and be the new Vitinha, basically, because, you know, Vitinha was the star of that team and Fabio Vieira was kind of behind him in second. So that's what I saw happening. It was interesting that the Fabio Vieira move came about before the Vitinha move. So Arsenal really obviously done their scouting. Uh, like you, I think it's a smart move. 35 million euros, I think up to 45 million euros seems like a lot of money but in this day and age it's really not for a player of his level and that could easily double so yeah smart move Consasau man Francisco Consasau oh. I I was really surprised 5 million euros they needed to sort out that release clause that was really poor poor uh, club management from Porto in that sense um, and like you and Bemba I didn't want to I know it was a free transfer but I thought it was worth including on that list because centre-back's been an issue for them and, and with Pepe although he's putting in heroic performances, he's 39, nearly 40 years of age. So, you know, he's not getting any younger. Uh, and obviously they brought in a big player. So let's talk about incomings because there have been one or two. They brought in David Karma, 20 million euros. I love this deal, man. A record domestic transfer in Portugal. I didn't know that. So no player in Portugal had ever signed, you know, between Portuguese clubs for the amount of money that he did. 20 million euros, great business for Braga, a great player for Porto. And similarly to, to Fabio Vieira, going to Arsenal 20 million euros might seem a lot of money because Portuguese clubs don't spend that kind of money very often but you know from what we've seen of David Carmo the kind of clubs that he's been linked with that 20 million euros is going to rise exponentially very soon you know 12 months time we'll be looking at him leaving for three times that easily yeah because it wasn't it was before his big injury um where I think Liverpool were heavily rumored with him as well so like you know that shows the sort of quality of club that we'll, uh, we'll be looking at him still despite him moving this summer, you know, they'll, they'll be keeping tabs on his development because that, that's the thing with Karma, isn't it? He's got a lot, a lot more growth in him. He's a he's a, a really exciting centre back. Um, the other player I like, Albert um, Veron from uh, Palmeiras, Brazil. Um, they needed, they obviously needed a winger with the departure of a uh, Conceição as well, and um, and he looks like a really similar player to Luis Diaz from what I've seen from him. Uh, a really exciting winger, lots of power, lots of pace. And he looked like an, he can hit a ball as well. So at the time of this transfer coming through, it really felt like they they needed to. Do you know what I mean? Because there wasn't much activity. We've talked about all these departures. I, the only thing I sort of could say in their defence is that they, they seem to have been preparing. So if you look at last January, you know, Galeno coming in from Braga, Estacchio, players who haven't really had much game time the second half of last season, but I expect to sort of, you know, now that now's the time. So they're almost new signings in themselves, if you see what I mean. Yeah, I hundred percent agree with you. They needed a winger. And I, I'm gonna be like you're not gonna get bullshit on this podcast. I didn't know who Gabriel Veron was before he signed. I'd never seen him play, but they needed a winger. Everybody knew that. So from I think that point of view, 
um it's a good it's a good signing. Let's talk about what they they might still need then because I think that winger was an important signing, but if you look at their options on the wing now, I think they might need to bring another one in because you're looking at first choice winger options being Pepe and Otavio, uh, and then Galeno and Veron. So that's kind of four wingers where Galeno was still a bit unsure. Otavio, is he really a winger? Pepe, has he really proved himself? So there's still kind of question marks over the wingers there. Midfield, Barney, I think, is is a, somewhere they really need to strengthen because with Vitinha going, I think that has to be a priority. Um, Yostakio, we expect to get more minutes then. Obviously, he didn't quite play the role that we thought he might do. Uh, they're left with Uribe, Grujic, and like I said, Otavio maybe can be counted as a, a midfield option. So for me, that's still a priority area. I think the thing that worries me a bit is that I, I, I really put a lot of the style that Porto played with last season down to Vitinha and, and his influence in that midfield position. And it's very hard to get a similar player to him. You know, Estacchio is no, not like that. I, I guess Otavio was probably the closest of those players you mentioned there in midfield, but it's 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 going to be hard. And there's going to have to, there's going to have to be a shift in that, that team slightly, I think. It's but part of me, I don't see them being that, active in the, the the remainder of the window i feel like that that could be done despite the the huge amounts of money they've made on their departures but um yeah we'll have to see you never know you can never rule them out but i think you know if we're looking at the squad as a whole now and the important things for me albert is teremi and ever nilson keeping that strike partnership intact and i know there's been a, a one a, the odd room of teremi and ever nilson but it seems to be that they, they're going to be here for another year. And that's absolutely key. I don't think I gave that partnership enough praise last season for how important it was for Porto doing what they did. So I think that that's absolutely key. And also like other players, you mentioned Otavio there, there was rumours about him. There's rumours about Diego Costa, the keeper, even Sanusi at the beginning of the transfer window. And, you know, the fact that they all seem to be staying now and, and conscious of course, that's it. That keeping him as manager is, is, is a, a really important thing for Porto. Yeah, it does make you very aware of the fact that the transfer window is still open for such a long time. You know, the season's about to start, but still so much could change. But I've got the same suspicion as you. I don't think they're going to be spending big in the transfer market. I hope they keep both their strikers because I think with Taremi and Evan Olsen, they've got two of the best strikers in the league. Taremi, definitely for me, the best striker in the league. Evan Olsen, arguably in the top two or three as well. Um, so if they are going to get new players, of course, they could always look towards the youth team. That's where Vitinha came from, where Fabio Vieira came from. Could they do the same again? And two players that I think we're going to have to keep an eye on, um, one of which we're very proud of, of course, Danny Loder, who, from what I've seen, has played a very key role in pre-season and is now very much integrated into the first team. He's scored goals in pre-season friendlies. He's been training with the first team. Um, so it looks like he's going to be playing a role as a backup striker alongside Tony Martinez. Equally, Gonzalo Borges seems to be part of the first team picture now and a lot of excitement around him. So I guess we'll just have to see which youngsters come through because the one thing we know about Porto is that the youngsters will come if you give them time. Yeah, I think Conscious has shown us, particularly last season, you know, he's, he's had that bit more trust in you. And so I'm really excited to see if those those players can get more of an opportunity. Albert, I was trying to um I was trying to work out how I see Porto's seasons going. And um I've had a bit of time on my hands. Obviously, it's the it's the school holidays now as well. And I I've been re-watching um The Last Dance. And I think that's uh <laughs> if I was to describe Porto's up and coming season, I you know, there could be a last dance. And I'm because I've 
I'm thinking Conchatel could well be having his last season. He's been there a while. He's shown his credentials. He he might get a move away at some point. Look at Pepe, Uribe, even Taremi, Otavio sort of getting to the end of their careers. And I just, you know, I wonder if that if if Conchatel's going to walk in the dressing room and just write on that whiteboard the last dance. And then, uh... <laughs> no, do you know what? I think that's, it's, I know you're laughing, but I think that's actually a good point because it, you do sense that, well, Clubs in Portugal are always in transition, right? They're always evolving. But it definitely feels like Porto is evolving. That team peaked last season. You know, it was such a imperious team. It just seemed to click so perfectly. But now, you know, things are changing, losing key players. You know, Pepe is finally kind of coming to the end of his career. Although who knows, maybe he'll give us another one or two seasons. Um, so, yeah, it does seem like a team in transition. I think, you know, just so that we can round off on Porto and talk about their prospects for the season. For me, that that has to be their aim for this season. Is It's very obvious, of course, but retain the title. But I think that's a bigger ask than people think, you know, because this isn't the same team. I think there are weaknesses that weren't there last season. I think some of their best aspects of last season are gone. That said, they definitely have one of the best squads in this league. Uh, they definitely have one of the best managers in this league and they definitely have some of the best players. So there's everything in place for them to win the title again. But I think if they win this title, it will be winning in a different way than they won last year. It won't be the same type of season that we saw. It'll be more of a fight. I think there'll be more games where they have to fight for the win. Uh, and it will be less, slightly less glamorous, I think, if it does happen. I think um, what's going to be interesting, and of course we're going to talk about the other teams in just a second, but I think the, the top three spots are going to be closest than we've seen in a while. I think it's yeah. going to be very, very tight. And I think when it comes to Porto, perhaps they need to, they're obviously going to be looking at the Champions League. They've had great success in the past there. And that's obviously a huge moneymaker as well for them. But I wonder, looking at the squad, feeling that it's a little bit thinner, whether they, if they want the distraction of the Champions League and maybe not get guaranteed Champions League football next, you just see what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I think that could be an interesting balancing act for them this year. So, um, yeah, we'll have to see. By the way, who's who's Michael Jordan in this uh, last dance for you? Pepe? <laughs> <laughs> Has to be Pepe, surely. <laughs> okay, well, let's move on and talk about sporting. Obviously, they couldn't retain their title last year, so they'll be looking to bounce back and be competitive. Uh, again, we just alluded to the fact that they might have more of a chance with Porto losing some key players. But let's not forget that Sporting lost key players as well. Uh, the main one being Pablo Sarabia. Obviously, no transfer fee involved there. It was just the end of his loan. They also lost Raul Palina. I think that was a move that was probably on the cards. We knew they were going to lose uh, at least one player from that midfield. They moved on some of the deadwood that never seemed to get minutes on loan. Pedro Marquez, Rafael Camacho, Luis Felipe, Thiago Elori all left on loan. A couple of players left on free contract as well. Fedal uh, and Renan. Of course, they made some good incomings as well. So I think it has been a mixed transfer window so far. Francisco Trincao, Barney, a statement signings go. I think that's a pretty big one. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, you mentioned um, the Deadwood there and, and them shifting all those players. That's been really important for Sporting because they've had a they've had a, a big squad with um, some high earners not playing for them for a while. And I think the fact that they managed to shift that because Trincao's big money, man. There's a there's a there's a high um, purchase option there, which I think they'll I imagine that they'll try and uh, do it um, at the end of his loan. Um, so that's that's huge business. And I have two opinions of Trincao. I have one of them being the the Trincao who we saw in England and 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 at Barcelona, and then which is obviously swayed by the the, the way that the 
European media have portrayed him. But then there's this other Trincao who lifts up Braga when he when he was there and just an incredibly exciting player. Um, so I'm really I cannot wait to see what he can do back in this league. I've got real high hopes for him. And you say it's a statement signing. I think that's something we haven't seen from Sporting for a while, have, have we? I, I know Sarabi was a great a great bit of business, but I don't think obviously it was on loan. There was you know not, not no money involved. But Trincao feels like a you know this is this is a big move from Sporting. A hundred percent. And I agree. You know, we we're hoping to see the Trincao that we saw at Braga, and of course, who was his manager at Braga? Ruben Amarim. So, you know, that does make me optimistic that we'll see the best of him. I think I would consider Sporting's last statement signing probably Paulinho from Braga, you know, because I think that was a decent fee and and he was an in-demand player. So, you know, they have made made, uh, decent signings in the recent past. Of course, another big signing that came in for not a small fee was Saint-Just, the centre-back. 10 million euros, so a big fee, a player... um, that's done well in Germany, I believe. So someone that they will hope uh, will be an important player for them, although I believe he's injured for the start of the season. Uh, And it does add depth in an area where I think they needed it. Pace as well, Albert, I was going to add. They needed Mm. needed pace in that back line. I think uh, Inashio's obviously got a bit, but when you've got Kratas and Neto or Kratas and and Fedal when he's there, it was just a bit slow sometimes, I thought. So I think he's going to add a a really bit of pace in, in that back line. And what about some of these other incomings, Barney? A couple of domestic signings. Marita for about €4 million from Santa Clara. That one seemed to drag on quite a long time, but it happened in the end. And then one that came out of completely nowhere, Barney, Rashinha from Vittoria. €2 million. Very shrewd bit of business. What do you make of those moves? I mean, Rashinha was completely sold um, as soon as he started the fight against Roma. I was like, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No, in serious, though, I think that's very smart business. That just adds a bit of depth. And I actually wrote down that he sort of replaces Nuno Santos because I think Nuno Santos playing left wing back for them is something we're going to keep seeing this season. He just has that, he's an option. And, you know, that just gives them another player to to fill in those wing positions as well. Um, and Marita I like as well. I think that's just, you know, I, I do like how Sporting have regularly looked within the league recently. I think that's, that's a good, that's a good uh, transfer strategy to have because um, the fees are generally quite, quite reasonable. Um so, yeah, I'm really excited to see what Marita can do in a different team. I don't know if he gets in that uh, starting lineup, but I, yeah, I'm excited to see what he can do. Yeah, agree with that completely. I think Machinia will be a really, really smart signing. I was really surprised Vittoria let him go. I mean, we're going to come on to talk about Vittoria uh, later on in the show. But from Sporting's perspective, great signing for a very, very minimal fee. They're going to get a very committed player, very talented player. Uh, a player who's full of confidence, knows the league, uh, is willing to sc- is is able to score goals, take on players, and you know you joke about him getting involved in that fight against Roma, but you know that just shows his character. So he's got all the characteristics, I think, and he won't be a prima donna that expects to play all the time. So very very smart uh, signing there. I was just going to say about. I was going to include Edwards in, in new signings because, like you know, obviously he came lost in January, but I think you know. This is his time. He's he's gonna he's gonna be a real key player for them. Well, how do you see him, him fitting in, Barney? That's the interesting question because obviously Francisco Trincao coming in, a right winger, left footed, plays in the same position as Edwards. We saw that Ruben Amarim very rarely played Sarabia and Edwards at the same time. So I wonder if we'll see the same thing. That's the only question mark I have over over Edwards' this season because, like you, I expect a big season from him. I expect to see a bit more fluidity in that. Um, 
front three for Sporting this season. I, you know, uh, I know in pre-season we see them play without Paulinho, the Pote in a sort of uh, false nine or whatever. Like you know, and I, I think there's going to be a bit more of a variety of the players we've seen. I think Amarin has been quite rigid in his team selection for for the last the last season, and I. You know, they obviously they had a fantastic season, but I don't, there was a times where I feel like you know something needs to happen. I think now this this strength and depth, I expect to see various combinations of of, of players uh, in that front three position. So yeah, I think Edwards will, will get his fair share of opportunities. I think that brings us on nicely onto what areas and what players they might still need to bring in uh, to strengthen the squad because the main one, the top of my list, Barney, is a striker, and I'm quite surprised that they haven't gone into the market for another striker yet. Um, I find it strange that they're preparing to go into a season where they want to play in their Champions League and compete for the Premier League title where Paulinho is your only recognised striker. That seems like a bad idea to me. Um, I like Paulinho a lot. You know, this is a Paulinho-friendly podcast, but I do think they need another player in there. I would have personally gone in for Vitinha from Braga. Maybe the price tag would have been... Uh, prohibitive but I just think they needed that extra body up front I know you just said there you're expecting them to play with more of a false nine but I just I'm not comfortable with this idea that they only have one out and out striker in the books yeah it doesn't feel right I mean there's the um there's the youngster isn't there uh, uh Ribeiro who um sort of looks like I might be trusting him to be the deputy to Paulinho but you got to remember Albert you know there's I know Pedro Gonçalves had a, a very quiet season last one, but there's there's goals in that team elsewhere on the pitch, and 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 you know it's not all on Pilio's shoulders. Like he, he, you know, he he can offer things in other areas, like uh, bringing players into play and that. So I think there's there's enough strike power in that team elsewhere for where, where they'll they'll get the goals. I personally think, Albert, that they're otherwise. I feel like they're they're all right in other positions of the pitch. I don't know if you think there's anywhere else that they need strengthening. Well, the only one I was going to suggest was left wing back because we saw today that uh, Ruben Vanagre has gone off to Everton. I mean, if Sporting managed to pull off that deal where Ruben Vanagre goes to Everton and then gives them 20 million euros at the end of the season, that will be absolutely unreal business because he was absolutely a flop in his first season at Sporting and was looking like a very expensive estate. But with him gone, I do think that they're light at left wing back. Now, I don't know whether you agree with this, Barney. I prefer Mateus Reese at left centre-back. Um, I know he can play left wing back, but I prefer him at centre-back. And Nuno Santos, as we know, can fill in that left wing back, but I think he's not an out-and-out starter. So I would like to see someone brought in there. Um, and even perhaps at right wing back, you know, we saw them... Uh, loan out Estevez the young right back to Estoril I think it's a great signing for Estoril but you know I was when I was chatting to the Sporting 160 guys um, I was saying that I can see a feasible way that all three of those right backs Pedro Porro um, Esgayo and Estevez could all feature just because Pedro Porro we know can be injury prone um, Esgayo is is a little bit older and he often fills in at centre-back and Estevez the young player could have filled in I'm just thinking Barney we don't want to end up in a situation like they did last year where Poro gets injured for, you know, not a couple of weeks, but a couple of months. And suddenly they have to play Champions League games and important league games with only Esgayo as their right wing back. So those fullback options were the only place I thought they could maybe bring a player in. But with the players they've got, I don't think it's a disaster if they don't. No, no. and I think um, I'm hearing you talk there about the fact of, about Mateus Ruiz playing in the, in the back three, you know, I think that's the the theme of this team. I think there there's there's quite a lot of players who can play in different 
areas of the pitch for them. I think and that's that's going to be useful for them. It's quite a smart way of doing it where you don't have to have such a big squad if you've got players who are flexible and, and, and can play in different positions. And because maybe this is a, a, a timely reminder, you know, we've just been talking about the, the Trinkau signing, how that's big money, but, you know, we, we, we can't forget that Sporting is still on a upward trajectory in terms of getting back to where they were in terms of being a powerhouse in, in the Portuguese league. They, they are... They don't have the financial power as that Porto and Benfica could do. So it is worth bearing that in mind. But, you know, Albert, we've, we've talked about the squad. I mean, let's talk about Amarin for a second because there was a, there was those links with PSG earlier as well in, this, uh, in the transfer window where I could have seen it happening, man. I, I could, you know, and I, and I love the fact that he's, he seems to be staying. I think he's, you know, he's he, he knows he's got time to develop. He's got time to... To do something, I think he thinks he can do something generally special with it with this team, and I, um, I'm really excited to see him work with these, this new this new group of players this this season. Yeah, you know, I think those links will come back. Um, I don't think they were unfounded. Um, I forget the guy's name, but obviously the new PSG sporting director is Portuguese. We saw him dip into the Portuguese market for Vitinha, and he's you know been linked with a lot of Portuguese players and even players based in the Portuguese league. So I wouldn't be surprised if those links come back. I did think it was too soon. Um, but yeah, I think it's very good that Amrim stayed. And look, to round off about sporting, you know, their prospects for this season, what they'll be aiming for. Like Porto, very simple. They'll be aiming to win the league again. I think they've got a chance, but as you alluded to, I think it will be probably uh, the tightest title race that we've had in quite a few years. So I don't think it's going to be easy. And I don't think they've necessarily got this incredible squad where we think they're real, real contenders. Um, we'll have to see how the season starts. And in terms of Europe, it will just be about getting out of the group in the Champions League, maybe, if not, you know, a nice run in the Europa League and perhaps a nice bit of domestic silverware along the way. Sorry to put you on the spot here, Albert, but <laughs> it, it is a question. We've just talked about how we thought Porto's squad has perhaps slightly diminished. And we've just talked about all the sort of decent transfers Sporting has made. Do you think, and with them being so close as they were last season, do you think there has been that much of a, a shift? Do you, you know, do you think Sporting squad is now stronger than Porto's? Or oh, sorry, man, that's a horrible question for you on the spot. No, no, I love it. I love it. I think there's been a small shift, yeah, but not necessarily Sporting overtaking Porto. But I think there was clear daylight between Porto and Sporting last season. I think Porto had a noticeably better. Squad, and I'm not going to say hugely better, but it was you could see that it was there. Whereas now, I don't think that same difference is quite there, it's much closer. In fact, I don't know if I could even choose between them at, at this point in terms of squad depth. They've both got areas of weakness and they've both got areas of strength, so um, definitely the gap has closed. So, I think it will be much tighter between those two clubs this season. All right, and then lastly, the big three, Barney, let's do Benfica now. I think this is going to be a really interesting conversation. And just from the, from the top, I'm going to say I think this is going to be a very, very different Benfica side uh, to the one we've seen for the last few seasons. I think that's in no small part down to the manager, Roger Schmidt, coming in. The signs in pre-season look good. Benfica are playing well. Uh, the new players are bedded in well. They've made some good signings. Um, but of course, we've been here before at the beginning of the season, looking at Benfica, looking very good. But I do think there is something slightly different about this season. We're going to talk about the their new signings, but I think one of their biggest new signings could be the manager. Yeah, I've I've got to agree with you completely. And I think, you know, it's interesting you said that there about, you know, we've said the same thing in previous seasons. The difference is, Albert, is that 
there's a clear vision that the players are the players are coming into play specific roles. There's like you can see a cohesive style with the with these signings, whereas in previous years, you know, I felt like it was quite sometimes opportunistic or like um, just buy, buying players for the sake of it. You, know, you think of uh, Gil Diaz, Rodrigo Pino, even even Jao Mario to some extent. You know, they, it, they just felt like signings that Benfica made just because they because they could. But then you know, looking at the moves that Roger Schmidt's made in this market, it just feels good. It feels like it all makes sense. I mean, let's start with um, the two big ones to me, D- David Neres from Shakhtar Ness and Enzo Fernandez. I mean, they needed extra quality on those rings, right? Obviously, Everton didn't work out and he's now back in back in Brazil and getting Neres is such good business. He looks like... I've, I've, I've tried to catch him a few times in preseason, but instantly he seems more... There's more. I have more confidence in him than I ever did with Everton, just in, in those few games. And you know, with um, Rafa playing on the one side and Neres on the other, both of them cutting in and opening up space for the win- wing backs, which is what it seems like Roger Smith likes to do. I think that just completely makes sense. I think David Neres for Everton is is a really fantastic upgrade. I think that's a great. Uh, great bit of business. E- equally, Enzo Fernandez, a player that we know was courted by a lot of other clubs. I think that one was 12 million euros from River Plate, so that's a very good signing. They've signed in defence as well, though, which is what I like, Brian. It's Joao Victor from Corinthians uh, and Alexander Barr from Slavia Prague, two big signings uh, in important positions that I think they needed to reinforce. And then, of course, you had Peter Musa coming in uh, as a striker. So, you know, they have made really, really good moves in the transfer market this window. Yeah, and I would include, you know, I mentioned Alexander Barr there. Also, Ristic, the, um, mm. the, the, who they got in a free from Montpellier, who looks like he will play as the left wing back as well. And I think he, he wore the number seven at Montpellier, so that tells you how attacking he might be. I think him and Barr on either side, you know, that that's going to be really good. If Grimaldo stays, of course, he, he'll be fine for that starting spot. But those, these attacking wing backs will just really fit right into Roger Smith's system. Um Peter Musa, I've just been I've just been thinking about him a lot recently. I don't know why I just can't you know there's Goncalo Ramos, there's um Uremshuk. Instinctively I would have said Peter Musa was the best of those three. But now I, I, on reflection I, I'm not so sure. I I wonder who will get that starting spot. Again I haven't watched a full game but from the, the little bits that I've watched of Benfica in preseason um, Gonzalo Ramos and Uremchuk both look really good. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, I think we can expect good things from them this season. I think having three good strikers, especially because we know Uremchuk can play in off the right and they and Gonzalo Ramos can play deeper, so there will be opportunities. I think Peter Musa will probably find himself behind those two, but I think he will be the third of those three strikers to be choose, chosen. So I don't think that's necessarily um, a problem at all. Um, let's touch on who they've lost, Barney. Obviously, we mentioned Everton, who's gone back to Flamengo. Darwin Nunes, of course. Big one. We spoke about that plenty of times. €80 million Euros for him. Incredible transfer fee. Best of luck to him. But they've also sold and loaned out quite a lot of players who are on the periphery. Uh, I'm looking at Jota to Celtic, uh, Jetson Fernandes to Besiktas, Harris Seferovic on loan to Galatasaray, Miles Sevilla to Roma. Ferro to Vitesse, Thiago Dantas to Pauk in Greece. Uh, Valentino, Valentino Lazaro and Nemanja Radonjic were on loan and they've not had their loans uh, made permanent. So that's quite a big chunk of players on the periphery yet to leave. But I still think they have more players that could be shifted. I'm looking at players like Mate, Chiquinho, Pizzi, Shil Diaz, 
Rodrigo Pino, Andre Almeida, Gabriel and Adel Tarabs, who we know <laughs> has not been training with the first team. So it looks like it could actually be the end of Adel Tarabs' story at Benfica. But yeah, plenty of players uh, that need to move on, but they've made good progress in this transfer market. A lot of business has been done. And Albert, there's a couple of players who Roger Smith seems to have given, been given a second chance to. I think... Um, Florentino looks like to have been given quite a lot of opportunity in, in pre-season and he'll be a you know just a, an extra person in that midfield you know you've got Jao Mario Enzo Fernandez Florentino and Julian Weigl you know that's a really strong uh, set of uh, players who can play in those uh, two midfield positions and a player that I've sort of forgot about but you know who was is an absolutely huge player for Benfica in my opinion Vrismo to come back into centre back you know the way he yeah he's he, you know he he could quite feasibly be one of the be one of the um, big players to move in, in, in a year or two. You know the way he was playing, and he looked like a really good cent- like just a, a fantastic centre back. So they're looking strong, man. And uh, you know Rafa seems to be doing um, doing bits again. And, you know we had we talked about how like how good he had first half of last season and just disappeared. But you know when he's on side, it's almost incredible, isn't it? How like just the simple fact that this new manager has come in. With no history to the club, just a fresh face, and 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 what a lift it's given to Benfica. It just feels so positive, and everything's going in the right direction. I've got them as real contenders this season, man. I'm really, I'm really, I'm really getting behind them. And you know what, Barney? I think the person that also needs a bit of credit. Who this might be a bit controversial, but I think Rui Costa deserves a bit of credit because I think a lot of people suggested he was just going to be a kind of puppet. Uh, for the past ownership who were going through some legal problems. But I think he's proven that he's there to make his own decisions and take the club in the direction that he wants, starting with bringing in a foreign manager and trusting that manager to bring in the players that he wants. So, yeah, I think I think there's been good progress made. And like you, I think Benfica look like they're in a stronger position than they have done for quite a few years. So I think we've got three clubs who look like they're on a very even playing field. They've both got strong players. They've got good managers. They've got good squads. And all three of these clubs will be going for the title. So I think it's going to be really fascinating this season to follow this title race. I know it goes without saying, and we obviously said it for the other two clubs, but I think Benfica in, in Europe, I feel like there's something that can be done there. Do you know what I mean? They had good success last season, sort of surprisingly almost. And I think just because of the nature of them and, and, and the, I've got a sneaky feeling we could see them doing as, as, as well as they did last season. Barney's got a hunch. I've got a hunch. 